Welcome to the Align Nutrition Podcast, a place where eating doesn't get in the way of living. We use science and psychology to move past the challenges you face while healing your relationship to food. I'm your host, Erica Drury, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. For the past 10 years, I've been helping people like you find a happy medium of flow and balance with eating. If solving these issues were easy, you would have figured it out already. Expect to learn a new way. Each week, you'll hear trainings, listen in on mini coaching sessions from people on your same path, and learn from other guest professionals. I'm so glad you've joined me. Hey there, welcome back to the Align Nutrition Podcast. I wanted to pop in and introduce our guest today. I have the pleasure of introducing Alyssa Leah Mankow of Alyssa Marie Wellness. You'll hear me refer to her as Leah throughout the episode. Not only is she a wonderful down-to-earth and extremely compassionate person, she is a licensed clinical social worker who owns a group practice in Sherman Oaks, California. Her work as a therapist is geared towards really helping people access their own internal healer and emotional compass while helping them connect with their inner child which is perfect for what we'll be talking about today. She has a team of therapists that specialize in treating anxiety, depression, trauma, and they all include a lens of social justice and advocacy. You can read about her expertise in various media publications. She's been on a lot of podcasts. She's been featured in Mind Body Green, Pop Sugar, Elle, Women's Health, Huffington Post, Oprah Magazine, and so many more. She shares education and inspiration freely to her large community of wonderful people on Instagram. You'll want to follow her. And if you're in California and looking for a therapist, seek out her practice. As she grows her practice, like offering courses or classes, she wants to do this so that she can eventually provide pro bono work for those within or exiting the justice system. Without further ado, let's hop into the episode. Hey there, welcome back to the Align Nutrition Podcast. I'm so excited to jump in with you. And today I am joined by Leah. Welcome. Hi, Erica. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you today and to just connect with you and your audience. Yes. So everyone's already heard your lovely bio and all of the wonderful things that you are doing in this world and all of the goals that you have. And so, you know, kind of in talking about now, we're going to be talking about inner child work. And before we dive into that, I always like to know, like, how did you get into this work? Like, what's your kind of more informal background? Sure. So just a little brief reintroduction. I am a licensed mental health therapist. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. And the way I fell into this work was I knew I wanted to get my degree in social work. So I went ahead and did that. I really started it because I wanted some sort of formalized education and advocacy, whatever that meant. And what ended up happening was my internships and all of the work that I was doing in graduate school ended up being kind of one-on-one clinical work. And it really introduced me to the field of being a therapist. And I just realized that the advocacy and addressing systems and issues can still be done one-on-one. And so from there, I just ended up taking the route of becoming a therapist. And I've really loved it. And I've been a therapist ever since for over a decade now. That's fantastic. And it's That's one of the things that really drew me to you and the way that you practice, you bring in that lens of, Hey, this isn't just within our individual work. It's, we still need to do individual healing, but we have to acknowledge all of these different systems that we have been impacted by. I 100% agree with you on that. 
Well, and thinking about, you know, inner child healing, we really, I wanted to talk about this on the podcast because a lot of times when it comes to food and body image, there's a lot there, you know, food we've been (laughs) essentially eating since we were born. And instantly there are these biological connections, there's psychological connections. We form, you know, comfort, food becomes a friend, food becomes safety, food becomes nurturance, food becomes celebration. And it's so important and it's woven into our lives. And so it's almost impossible to work on healing your relationship to food without bumping into the inner child and kind of diving into that. So what would you offer? How can we talk more about that? Sure. So, you know, for people who are just tuning in and they're kind of like, what do we mean about the inner child? I'll just give a little brief description because there's so many aspects to the inner child, so many ways to describe it. But essentially what the inner child is, it is the younger versions of ourselves that are still internalized within us during our adult lives. It's the parts of ourselves that hold our joy, our pain, our hurt. And those parts of us come out when we're triggered, when we're activated. It's also the parts of us that still have very youthful-like reactions to the things that are activating us. So we all have an inner child. And oftentimes that inner child kind of comes out on a very subconscious level. So when we think about our relationship with food, it's also important to explore just, you know, what was modeled for us as children and how did we internalize these messages growing up? Ooh, I think that happens so much because food is woven into the family structure and we're Mm -hmm. looking to our peers, our parents, our caregivers, people that are our coaches, you know, significant people in our lives that can really stay with us. And, and I don't know when you're thinking about that inner child, it's almost like you don't have as much of that, like logical adult perspective that you do now. So when you were talking about that, like those responses as an inner child and can be kind of subconscious, like how do they tend to show up? Like you mentioned when you're triggered. Sure. So how do they tend to show up? This completely depends on your childhood and what was modeled for you, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say you grew up and I'm, you know, it's not always this absolute, but these are just examples. There's Mm -hmm. definitely nuance and gray area, but let's say you grew up in a home where you had a caregiver that was constantly dieting or constantly making comments about food, like, oh, why are you eating that? Or, oh, that has a lot of calories. Or even if they're saying it to themselves, like, oh, I shouldn't have ate that. Or, oh, I feel so guilty eating that. How that can manifest as, you know, in adulthood can be you've internalized now that language and you start to then equate food as things that you should or shouldn't be eating. And then you start to really harshly examine your body and how it changes, right? So we, we tend to learn how to relate to ourselves and the food we eat kind of just from the way perhaps our caregivers or our families, and even the messages we internalize from the media, just all of that information that's been presented to us does lay the blueprint for how we relate to food and body image as well. It's so fascinating because I think a lot of people that I talk to and maybe people that are listening to this, even just knowing that, hey, you've internalized these messages and that these are things that you can work to change some things, but this groundwork was laid so long ago. Like, how do you, when you're working with people, how do you help them explore that in a way that's kind of self-affirming, but also realistic? And you know what I'm saying? It's like this, yeah. you know, being able to identify that, okay, this didn't come from me, but I'm also mm-hmm. still stuck here. Oh my gosh. There's so many ways to go about it. Right. So it's like, this didn't come from me, but I'm stuck here. Mm-hmm. So one way to go about it is like, what do you need to go back and tell that younger version of you? 
right? So what does that younger version of you need to hear right now when they're receiving the message that their body is wrong or that they're eating too much or they're eating too little or X, Y, and Z? What do you think that younger version of you needs to hear? And I think it's so important to connect with that younger version of you and to kind of give them the reassurance and the love and the acceptance that they needed to hear to know that they are okay and they are enough. And another way to go about it, and this takes a lot of work to undo what we have been doing for so long, but it's just being able to separate what is a thought and what is a fact. Yes. Right. Especially because it wasn't something as a child that you were really thinking, oh, that was something that my mom said. It was just immediately internalized and it becomes your own thought. But is it necessarily relevant or true? Yes. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, we have the media, which pushes standards of beauty on us and it pushes like so many conditionals onto us. So it's just important to just, I think, question things. Where did I learn this? Why do I assume that this is true? Why do I assume that this is fact? Who benefits from me thinking this way? Because we also have to remember that we do live in a society that does benefit and capitalize on us not liking ourselves. Mm-hmm. So going back to the whole systems thing, right? Mm-hmm. We There's a whole industry that does benefit from us questioning ourselves constantly. When it comes to starting to separate a thought versus a fact, I'm hearing that mm-hmm. if you start to ask these questions, it kind of takes you down this road to examine whether something is thought or fact. Absolutely. Are there typical types of thoughts or maybe themes that tend to come up when people are starting to examine some of these thoughts and ask themselves these questions? Sure. So the types of thoughts, right? When we're struggling with our body image and self-esteem, our thoughts tend to skew in the negative direction. And so something that I notice that comes up often is a cognitive distortion called emotional reasoning. And this is where we start to develop conclusions and false narratives based on the way that we feel. So if we feel guilty about our relationship with food, or if we feel like we did something wrong, then we might tend to develop kind of like a false narrative about ourselves. Like I am bad. I'm not good enough. I'll never be worthy. Right. Because we, we make interpretations based on what we feel, but it's just important to recognize that feelings are feelings and they're also not facts Mm -hmm. where your feeling is real, but the the stories we create around them are things that we we just need to pay attention to for information. Yeah. I think the way I've seen that show up for a lot of people is exactly how you spelled it out of I'm feeling guilty. So what I ate is bad, or I don't like my body. So I really shouldn't eat this. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I heard that, you know, from this person that was thin and white and perfect and all the ways that I, you know, strive to be or told I'm supposed to be, they recommended that I don't eat this item. And so now I feel bad moving forward if I do. It's just so the thought and the feeling and the thought and the feeling like you're constantly like bouncing back and forth between the two. And it's, it's trying to separate out, like you said, kind of attending to your feeling, but then recognizing that it may not be accurate. 100%. I'm thinking about somebody who maybe isn't always able to identify what they're feeling and they're kind of getting a runaway with thoughts and they might struggle with this distinction. Are there any kind of signs or maybe some top emotions that trigger certain things? You mentioned triggers before. So if I'm hearing correctly, what are some things that people who struggle with identifying their thoughts, what can they do? Mm-hmm. And they or, or how something. do they get to know it? Yes. Like that thought versus the feeling. So if there's a person who's more inclined to feel and maybe 
they don't really know what the thoughts attached to it are. One of the questions that I would ask them, right? It's like, okay, what are you feeling? And where do you feel it in your body? Just to get them to be really attuned to what's happening internally. So for example, let's say like, oh, I feel sadness and I feel it in my chest. Okay. So the next question I would then ask would be, if that sadness could talk, what would it say? Or if your chest had words, what would it want to tell you? So kind of being able to personify these things and maybe separating it from yourself and just giving voice to the feelings. If, if they could talk, right. If you could write a script and didn't edit it, what are some of the words that would come out? Yeah. Ooh. And it makes me even think, you know, hearing that how helpful it would maybe be to even address your inner child directly and really maybe talk to them and ask like those same questions that you just mentioned of, you know, when you were at that clothing store with your mom, when you were 11 and she said they didn't have a size big enough for you, like you may not be able to identify what you were feeling or what you were thinking at that time, but what would you, what would you say now? I really appreciate you providing that perspective because another kind of way that I thought of it too is right. Like, so we're going to go back to the fitting room and it doesn't look good, or you don't like the way it looks. Another thing that you can do to get in touch with yourself would be when was another time in my life that I felt this way? Or you can even say like, what was an earlier time in your life where you felt this way before? And what does that version of you need to hear right now? Cause it's all connected. You know, we're, we're not typically feeling these things for the first time we've felt them before. So it can be helpful to see if you can go back to a different time and think to yourself like, okay, where did this start? And what do I need to say to that version of myself? Especially if it feels mm-hmm. like an ongoing constant thing, or maybe even like you were saying before about recognizing the inner child, like the intensity of that emotion that might kind of tip you off that, Hey, you have felt this way before. And like you said, what does it remind you of? Mm-hmm. And connect. Yeah. Just connect with the different parts of yourself. Cause each part of yourself is valid. It's important. It's worthy of receiving love. It's worthy of being listened to and it's worthy of being checked in on. Do you think that when people are, because as we flow through this, I'm thinking, okay, there's a trigger. And then that, which is that I think I've been here before. I felt this before. This has happened before. This is reminding me of before. And then it flows into an emotion. And then it's kind of identifying the thought underneath that and then starting to check in and ask yourself those questions. Did I kind of flow through those in the way that you see it or different? No, that, that sounds pretty, there's, you know, I believe in equifinality. There are multiple ways to get to the same result, but that is basically kind of what I am saying. And that does, that does feel very accurate. I'm thinking about people who, you know, are starting to flow through this process. And it, it makes me wonder if people tend to find some things like maybe if people find self-compassion here yeah, or frustration, exactly the word. Mm-hmm. So as we've been talking about kind of this flow and the way emotions and triggers and thoughts all really relate to each other and really in a lot of ways kind of make up these different parts of ourselves, these different, the inner child piece, what are some of the most common or frequent type of questions that people can be asking themselves or maybe ways that it shows up, a kind of a line of thinking around this that they can walk away with? Sure. So you know, let's start with a little bit of self-exploration and, you know, I might be a little repetitive, but it's what was my relationship with food growing up? What are three words that I would use to describe my relationship with food and body image? What were my caregivers relationship with their own body image growing up? What messages were sent to me by them, by society, by the media, by my peers? What are three words that I would use to describe my relationship with food 
and body image, right? What's the earliest age that I can remember having a hard time coping with my relationship with food and or my body image? And then kind of just weaving that into the inner child work, right? What are some of the thoughts that I have around this topic? And what are some ways that I can show myself self-compassion? And if, you, if you're the type of person who struggles with giving themselves compassion, then another way you could frame it is if I had a best friend that was going through this, what would I say to them? Or if I can think of like somebody that I love or something that I love, right? And if that person or thing, maybe a pet, you know, is going through a hard time, like what type of love could I give to this thing, person, you know, that, that I care about and then practice kind of harnessing that emotion and turning it inward to yourself. That is beautiful. It's, it makes me think of somebody who has maybe been stuck in similar patterns and they don't know why they're so stuck there mm-hmm. and how opening this could be this, this, this self-exploration. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's really good work. It's really meaningful work and it's not easy. It's not easy because it does bring up a lot of truths about ourselves or false narratives that we created. And it kind of encourages us to start challenging some of the ways that we've been thinking that maybe haven't been accurate or have been harmful to us. I think even some people listening to this who really have never quite considered if things are not necessarily fact, I think that emotional reasoning example, because you know, as a child, you you may have not known the name of certain emotions or understood what you were thinking. And so mm-hmm. a lot of this could be locked into that pattern of emotional reasoning. Yep. I completely agree with you on that. It makes perfect sense. Well, thank you so, so much for being here and sharing this with us. I want to know what is next for you? What are your plans for the future? So right now I'm just really focused on building my group practice. So if people are in the Los Angeles area, they can feel free to connect with me if they're looking for a therapist and just continuing to promote and provide content on Instagram that are helping people ask themselves the hard questions while also providing the coping skills to be able to learn how to soothe the feelings going on inside of them. Thank you so much. What is your Instagram handle and website where people can find you? They can find me on Instagram at Alyssa Marie Wellness. And my website is www.alyssamariewellness.com. Fantastic. Well, thank you again for being here. And until next time. Thanks to you for listening. Find me on Instagram at Align Nutrition. Let me know if you like this or if you have other topics or ideas for the podcast. I love hearing from you. If you've gotten something out of this, help us reach more people who need this message by subscribing in your podcast app. A nice rating and review also helps us reach more people and is so appreciated. I hope you enjoyed this episode and until next time.